What's going on, everyone? Welcome to today's installment of The Yak Show. Today is Thursday, June 30th, 2022. A lot to talk about today. We are going to be talking Major League Baseball and College Baseball. The Ole Miss Rebels are the champions of the college baseball world. Along with that, we have some Cubs talk, a couple bench brawls in the last week, Freddie Freeman returned to Atlanta, a couple key injuries to a couple NL All-Stars, and this week, I know I mentioned it in last week's show, but I never managed to bring it up because of all the draft talk, I will be giving, I promise I will be giving out my current um, All-Star game ballot for baseball. From there, the NBA, this is another big day in basketball. Last week, last Thursday, we had the draft. This Thursday, free agency starts in about four hours. We're going to be talking about trades and rumors. A trade, a big trade with an all-star happened yesterday. We'll also talk about all the rumors around the league. And obviously, I'm going to talk about the Bulls. And we're going to review last week's draft. And then last but not least, we have crowned a Stanley Cup champion in the National Hockey League. And the Blackhawks have a new head coach. Stick around for all the details. All this and more on today's installment of the Ox Show, which starts right now. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the show. As I mentioned, today is Thursday. Happy Thursday to everyone out there. Upcoming holiday weekend. Very excited for the 4th, which is next Monday. So let's just get into it, man. Let's talk some sports. Um, Super, super, super exciting week. The Ole Miss Rebels are the champions of college baseball here in 2022. This team is truly, is you'll never see anything like it ever again. SEC play, they were 7-14 and 14 with just a few weeks left to go in the regular season. They didn't even think they were going to make the SEC tournament, man. And 12 out of the 14 teams in the conference make that tournament. They run the table. They get into the SEC tournament. They make enough noise. They are one of the last four teams picked in the big field of 64. They run the table. They win their regional in Miami. They take the super regional in Hattiesburg and Southern Miss. And then they only lose one game in Omaha to Arkansas. They sweep Oklahoma in the best of three final. Congratulations to Coach Mike Bianco, man. So excited for him. I've been following this program in and out for the past few years. I love the way Coach B runs things over at Ole Miss. He's truly, he's more than just a coach. He's a great leader. And all the guys, you know, they had seniors come back. Tim Elko, Kevin Graham, guys who could have gone and played pro ball. They decided to come back because they knew they had unfinished business to have and done at Ole Miss. They take care of it. They win a national championship. And the pitching for Ole Miss was absolutely outstanding. The most outstanding player of the tournament, Dylan DeLucia, he threw a complete game shutout in the winner go home game against Arkansas to get them to the final. And then their left, their southpaw, Hunter Elliott, shoved it in game two to clinch them a World Series championship. This team truly had everything. You know, Justin Bench, another senior who come back, Hayden Dunhurst. Their, uh, all st- their stud sophomore shortstop, Jacob Gonzalez. Their electric factory second baseman, Peyton Chatagnier. Uh, if you're a fan of baseball in general, you don't know, even if you don't know the guys as well as I do, this Ole Miss team is fun to watch, and I'm so happy they won the national championship. So well-deserved, like I said. First championship in the entire school's history. Uh, Coach Mike Bianco, his 22nd season coaching over in Oxford. He gets the national title done. Just so, so happy for this group. You know, it was crazy. There was talks. If Ole Miss wasn't one of the last four teams into the tournament, there were rumors that Coach Bianco was going to be axed as the head coach in Ole Miss. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to be building the guy a statue 
down the road for bringing home a national championship to the University of Mississippi. Cannot stress it enough how excited I am as a fan of college baseball in general to see a program like this, to see a coach like this, to see players like this winning the national championship. It is so well-deserved. Could not think of a better coach, a better group. Just all in all, just well, well deserved. And congratulations to the Ole Miss Rebels on winning the national championship. That is the lone college baseball bullet I have for the week. Major League Baseball. And I'm just going to do this now because I am so, so sorry to all the folks out there who were waiting to hear my all-star bout last week. Listen, man, I got consumed by the draft, the NBA draft last week, which we'll also recap later down, down the road when we're talking basketball and free agency and trades. But I will finally give my all-star game ballot. And it's actually kind of a good thing I waited because now I'm going to sound a little smarter. Um, sadly, in the National League, the top two players, last year's MVP and this year's frontrunner, are both injured for an extended period of time and will most likely, well, one of them will most definitely miss the All-Star game. I think the other one will as well. Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are both hurt. Harper obviously took a pitch off his hand, and I believe Machado hurt his leg. So that is very, very tough. Prayers up to those guys. Hope they get better soon. And I actually had them both. I had Machado as my National League third baseman and Harper as my National League DH. So now I've made some tweaks to my ballot from there. We'll start in the American League. My current AL first baseman is Ty France of the Seattle Mariners. Yes, Ty France. So much deserving. He has had such an amazing season for the Mariners. And I know um, there's been a lot of, there's obviously a lot of uh, Blue Jay voters voting for uh, Guerrero and Espinal, and Bichette, and Kirk, who I do have Kirk on my ballot, spoiler. Um, but no, man, it's Ty France. And, and I know Vladdy, Vladdy could, there's a chance that Vladdy, you know, is the guy for um, for them. But I, I'm going to stick with France this year. He's batting 316. He's got 10 homers, 45 RBIs, and an insane OPS of an 866. I mean, just the average. You know, Ty France, he, he yeah, he doesn't have as much, he doesn't hit for as much power as Vladdy. But I don't know. He's just been very, very good this year, and he's helped this Mariners team a lot despite their struggles. So Ty France is my American League first baseman. From there, second baseman, there wasn't really a whole lot of options, but there really didn't need to be. I'm taking Jose Altuve of the Houston Astros. This year he's batting 269 with 13 homers, 24 RBIs, and an 855 OPS. Um, obviously, you know, love or hate the, the Astros, you know, they've obviously done some not good stuff with the whole sign stealing and all that. But you can't knock Jose Altuve. He's a fine hitter, and he's a good player. And hold the grudges wherever you want. I mean, I'm obviously still not thrilled about the whole situation, but you have to recognize him for what he is, and he's the all-star starting second baseman in the American League. Now, over at third, Rafael Devers, who is batting 328 with 16 homers, 43 RBIs, and has a 982 OPS. He is my starting third baseman out of the American League. This man needs to get paid, Boston. Chime Bloom. Pay the guy. Seriously, he is an insane talent. He is the best third baseman in the American League. I know some people are going to get upset. Oh, Jose Ramirez. No, my pick is Rafael Devers. I'm not docking Jose Ramirez. He is also very, very good. And if there was another position for him in this lineup, he would be there. But for the time being, it is Rafael Devers. Shortstop. I really hate to do this, but I'm going to do it. Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox. He's batting 358 this year. Only five homers, but he's been hurt a couple times. 19 RBIs, and he's got 894 OPS. When healthy, Tim is probably the best shortstop in the American League. I could be wrong. Some people are talking Bo Bichette, Xander Bogarts. I do think it's Tim. As a Cubs fan, obviously people are going to be clipping this and, and, and 
doing whatever they want. But yeah, no, I, he deserves to be the all-star starting shortstop in the American League. Behind the plate, I mentioned it earlier, Alejandro Kirk has been a pleasant surprise this year for the Blue Jays. He's batting 307, 8 homers, 26 RBIs, and has an 882 OPS. Dude, Kirk, is it's awesome. You know, Alejandro Kirk uh, coming into the season was your typical backup catcher for the Jays. He would split time with Reese McGuire. Now they traded Reese to the White Sox for Zach Collins, and all of a sudden Alejandro Kirk took that starting catching position in Toronto and ran with it, and he has earned himself in my ballot the starting catching position in the American League All-Star Game for the Blue Jays. I don't think anyone would have seen this coming. I know the catching position in the American League is kind of wide open. Normally Salvador Perez is there, but he's hurt. Um, and even if he was healthy, I still think it would go to Kirk. Kirk is just, he's been that guy this year, not only for the Blue Jays, but in the American League as well. He's been well-recognized as the league's best catcher up to this point. The outfield, um, two of the picks are as expected. And the other pick, I really like it. It's It may not be a popular pick, but it's the pick for me. And we'll actually start with that pick. Uh, one of my three outfielders, I have two outfielders from the Los Angeles Angels. One of them is Taylor Ward. He's batting 310 this year with 11 homers, 29 RBIs, and has a 978 OPS. Another pleasant surprise, Taylor Ward, uh, your prototypical utility guy, you know, plays the infield, used to play catcher and an outfielder. He'd kind of just rotate around. He would fill in spots, start spots for guys. Um, never really made a whole lot of noise in his career. It was kind of just your typical role player. He's had a major breakout season this year. Um, was very impressed with him when I saw him play in Anaheim. He had a couple homers. Or I think he had, no, yeah, he had one homer and a double. Uh, the dude's swing is beautiful, and he has found a way to make things click in the league this season, and rightfully so. For me, he has earned one of the three uh, starting outfield positions in the All-Star Game for the American League. From there, we'll go to his teammate, uh, the greatest player in this generation, Mike Trout. He is batting 284 this year with 21 homers, 483 RBIs, and has an insane 1,025 OPS. I mean, it's Mike Trout, man. He's the best player in the league. He's the best player in the world uh, year-round. Uh, the dude's nuts, and, and for every right reason, I have Trout. You can't If he's healthy, Mike Trout is starting in the All-Star Game, plain and simple. And the final spot goes to the guy who I have running away as long as he doesn't get hurt in the second half of the season. I have him running away with the American League MVP as Aaron Judge. This this site is outdated. He just hit his 29th homework last night. And I don't know what his RBI count is, but on here it's got 52. He's batting over 300 and his OPS is over 1,000. Aaron Judge is an absolute monster. He's a guy, he's so hot you can't even pitch to him right now. He's just that good. He's going to win the American League MVP as long as he stays healthy, and he will be joining the two Angels in the outfield for the American League in the All-Star Game. And last but not least, Jordan Alvarez will be the designated hitter. Uh, on this site, the stats they have up to date, he's batting 315, which is absurd. He is a power hitter hitting for average as well. He's got 21 homers, 51 RBIs, and he has over 1,000 OPS. I mean, he got paid this offseason and well-deserved. He is a game-changing bat in the Astros order for years to come. The National League, uh, we do have some... I, I, this some things might change here due to injury. My current first baseman um, is a guy who, if Manny stays hurt for a significant period of time, could end up winning the National League MVP. It's from the St. Louis Cardinals, Paul Goldschmidt. He's batting 340 with 17 homers, 61 RBIs, and has over 1,000 OPS. I mean, dude, I, <laughs> this is tough because Pete Alonso is obviously here too, and Pete's having a great year. He's hitting 282 with 20 homers, 66 RBIs, and a 913 OPS. I currently have it as Goldschmidt, but I'm not docking Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso will most definitely make this all-star game for the National League. 
to the second base position we go. This guy's currently hurt, but I still have him rocking in my ballot. Jazz Chisholm of the Miami Marlins. He's batting 250, 14 homers, 45 RBIs, and is an 860 OPS. I mean, when you think baseball and you think excitement, you can't think any further than Jazz Chisholm. The guy's an electric factory. He makes Marlins baseball worth watching. He makes baseball worth watching in general. If you are just a baseball fan and you sit down and the Marlins are on, you are watching trying to hope Jazz Chisholm comes up to the plate at some point while the TV's on, or if he makes a flashy play in the field, he has a great character, and he's great for the game of baseball, whether the Marlins like it or not. Now, third base, I mentioned earlier in the show I had it as Machado, but now that he's most likely going to miss the All-Star game, I had to change it up. I will be taking another St. Louis Cardinal. I have Nolan Arenado, who's currently batting 281, 14 homers, 48 RBIs with an 866 OPS. Nolan's having a great year as well, and I think he would have made the All-Star game as a reserve, but Due to Manny's injury, he now slides into the starting role. And the Cardinals are up in the standings in the NL Central. And Nolan and Paul Goldschmidt, the corner infielders who I have starting at both spots for the National League, are a big reason for that. My current shortstop vote for the National League is Dansby Swanson of the Atlanta Braves is having a great first half. He's batting over 300 with a dozen homers, 41 RBIs, and 868 OPS. Dansby's finally taking those leaps. He's finally starting to look like that number one overall pick that he was way back when. And it's good to see, and he's good for the game of baseball. Dansby's another fun player to watch. The catcher. How can we not love this guy? From the Chicago Cubs, Wilson Contreras. He's batting on this side. They have him at 264. That could have changed. He hit his 13th homer of the year last night, and his OPS is over 870. It's really going to break my heart when they trade this guy, especially because he gathered his 600th hit as a Cub or in the league last night, obviously all as a Cub. And he goes, I want to have another 1,000 as a Cub. And just really heartbreaking because you know the ownership doesn't care and they're going to trade him. I really hope something can get worked out for the on the extension front, but we all know deep down that's just not going to happen. But in the meantime, he will be representing the Cubs as a starting catcher for the NL in the All-Star game. My three outfielders. Uh, one, I have Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Atlanta Braves. He's one of the faces of baseball. He most definitely deserves it. He was hurt in the beginning of the year, so his numbers in terms of homers and RBIs are a little deflated, but that's obviously why. Currently, he's batting 275 with 7 homers, 18 RBIs, and 823 OPS. Um, joining him, I have Mookie Betts of the Dodgers, who is currently hurt. So if he's not healthy, he'll obviously need to have a replacement come All-Star time. He's currently batting 273 with 17 bombs, 40 RBIs, and 884 OPS. Now, who could replace him if he's not ready to go? Charlie Blackman of the Rockies is having a really good year. He's currently batting 266 with 11 homers, 38 RBIs, and a 779 OPS. Mark is hitting for great average. I think he could definitely be considered. But I think other than that, man, I, I really don't know. Ian Happ, there we go. I think Happ, Happer, a little Cubs bias here. I mean, the dude's batting 290 right now, and his OPS is over 860. I think he should make the All-Star game as a reserve. But, hey, if enough players get hurt in the outfield, Happer might even be a starter in this league, or in this game, I should say. Jock Peterson is also having a great year, 271, 16 homers, 38 RBIs, and a 919 OPS. So I think Happ and Peterson should both be highly considered for this spot. Brian Reynolds is a guy up there as well. So those are just a few that you can look at. Um, you know, Juan Soto's, uh, he's been he's kind of been in and out with injury, but I definitely think you give him a look as well. Um, and then my last pick for the NL outfield, Like so obviously you know that if I didn't pick any of those guys, this is the pick here. Brandon Nimmo of the New York Mets. Um, I'm going to catch a lot of smoke for this one, but I've seen this as a common pick, and I can understand why after watching his game. He's hitting 268, only four homers, but 22 RBIs and a 770 OPS. He's getting on base a lot for the Mets, and he's helping them a lot in that front, and his defense has been outstanding for them. 
this season. And then lastly, my DH for the NL was Bryce Harper, but I'll be having Wilson Contreras' younger brother, William Contreras, joining him as he is the current second place holder for votes for the DH in the NL. He's batting 275, nine homers, 18 RBIs, and has an insane 948 OPS. And I just think it is well-deserving on that front. But like I said, I may I, there, I do have some kind of regrets picking my uh, my outfield for uh, the NL. You know, there, there's definitely other guys that could be in there and should be in there. Like I mentioned, if I had if I had any replacements for Nimmo due to just uh, production or Betts due to injury, Jock Peterson, Ian Happ are my two guys uh, in that respect. So current All Star ballot for me. However, I think the outfield for the NL I just read it over and it's kind of flawed. So yeah, Happ and Peterson should definitely be getting looks in replacement of either Nimmo due to production or Betts just straight up because of injury. So um, other talks. Let's talk Cubs baseball. I was at Wrigley Field on Tuesday night. It was a very disappointing game for the Cubs. Uh, the bullpen, Rowan Wick, was just absolutely brutal. He came in to relieve Keegan Thompson, who I felt like threw the ball relatively well. Obviously made a couple mistake pitches, but that's going to happen. Uh, Thompson went six and a third, eight hits, four runs. Eight punch outs, did not walk a guy. Wick came in and proceeded to give up a three-run jack to Jonathan India, all with two outs. Or Actually, that was with one out. Wick couldn't even make it out of the seventh inning to uh, relieve Thompson. So um, they had to bring in Brandon Hughes, who threw the ball really well. And then Mark Leiter Jr. threw the final two innings. It was actually quite impressive. So, yeah, the pitching, the bullpen really just kind of blew it for the Cubs here. However, the offense left so many runners on base. Christopher Morrell struck out four times in the leadoff spot. I was impressed. Nico Hornerman is an on-base machine. He's batting over 300. I think he could get a look for the All-Star game as a reserve, but it, realistically it probably won't happen. He got three hits. Contreras had two hits. I mean, Morrell did have a double. That should not have been a double. That dropped down. Ortega had a nice double in the ninth. Uh, the, I will give the Cubs credit. They did not lay down flat after going down 5-0. Uh, they put up three in the bottom half of the seventh to make it close, but then just weren't able to capitalize with runners on in the final two innings. It was just super disappointing. Uh, Luis Castillo pitched very well for the Reds. Six innings, five hits, no runs, three walks, 11 punch outs. At one point, he had struck out six batters in a row. However, the alarming thing, Luis Castillo threw seven or 123 pitches in six innings. He The dude was struggling. He was out of stamina and the Cubs just could not push anything across against him. It was until the next inning when they went to the reliever, John Kunal, where the Cubs were able to capitalize. So I didn't think it was disappointing. You know, we left bases loaded once, you know, guys, we had runners on first and second with the top of the order up and no outs and nothing was able to be produced. So I just think that was also very disappointing as well for the Cubs. Thankfully, and I'm mad, not mad, I'm happy, but they were able to pick up a win last night and I chose to go to Tuesday instead of last night. 8-3, Morrell hit a ball onto Waveland. Contreras went deep. Um, I just think overall it was a great game for the team. Uh, Justin Steele pitched, pitched five very good innings, only giving up one run. F. Ross pitched a clean inning. Givens pitched a clean inning. And then Swarmer had some, some trouble in the ninth, but it didn't matter because we were up 8-1 to one at that point. Uh, Nico went one for three. Uh, yeah, it was just it was a good. Bodie had a knock and scored. Uh, except Morrell went two for four, and he hit a ball onto Waveland. You know, just good to see. Uh, they moved Morrell down to the nine spot, which I thought was kind of interesting, and it definitely helped him out a lot. He was able to see a little, a few more pitches in, in that position. So uh, last game of the series for the Reds is tonight. It'll be Aaron Ashcraft for the Cincinnati Reds, I believe. Graham Ashcraft, sorry, wrong name. And then Kyle Hendricks for the Cubs. And then the Red Sox come to town this weekend in Wrigley, which will be really cool for the holiday weekend. 
couple more bullets are the last main point for Major League. Or two, no, I got two more for Major League Baseball. Bench brawls are back in a big way. If you were watching Sunday, the Angels and Mariners got into a massive brawl. Um, it all started in the game prior when Mike Trout got thrown out. I don't think it, well, that was not intentional. But then from there, Andrew Wants, they had, the Angels had an opener the next game. He threw behind Mariners' young superstar Julio Rodriguez, missed him, and then the next inning he hit Jesse Winker right in the lower back, which proceeded to start a bench brawl. Um, I, there was a lot of suspensions that came out of this, and I will list them all off right now if I can find it here. Uh, bench, there it is. Massive bench brawl. Um, so the ejections from the Mariners were Jesse Winker. Uh, let me find I think he got seven games. Yeah, there we go. Jesse Winker, seven games. J.P. Crawford, five games. Julio Rodriguez, two games. So they lost three starting position players through this. I'm assuming they all are appealing. The Angels, they had nine individuals suspended, but half of them were like staff or personnel. Uh, their interim manager, Phil Nevin, got 10 games. Anthony Rendon, who's an, they're injured for the season, out for the year, third baseman, five games. Assistant pitching coach, Don Cheedy, five games. Andrew Wants, the uh, pitcher who was used as the opener for this, has suspended for three games. Relief pitcher, Ryan Tapera, for three games. Their closer, Rossi Iglesias, for two games. If you didn't see the clip, dude threw an entire box of bubblegum onto the field. I don't know what that proved, other than getting him suspended for two games. Uh, their bench coach, Ray Montgomery, got suspended for two games. Their catching coach, Bill Hasselman, got a one-game suspension. And this one's just hilarious to me. Their interpreter, Manny Del Campo, got a two-game suspension. So my question is, if any of the players need an interpreter, what happens? Like, you kind of need the interpreter. You know, I, I don't think that that's obviously not Shohei's interpreter, but other guys use that guy as, as the team interpreter. W what happens there? Like, are they are the, are the guys who can't speak English who use that guy as their interpreter, can they just not, like, communicate for two games? Is that, like, that their punishment or something? I don't know. That's just kind of funny to me. I saw the interpreter suspension. I'm like, wait, I get that. Just because, I mean, he can't not have consequences for his actions. He's a human like everyone else. But do they need to get, like, a substitute interpreter now? I kind of thought that was funny. Not funny, but, yeah, you know, interesting nonetheless. So there was that. The brawl was huge. There was also um, benches cleared last night in Toronto with Nick Pavetta. I, I, that was nothing, though. I think he, people are just taking things way too personally now. I mean, okay, the Angels and Mariners one had some reasoning behind it. I don't know what the deal was with the, the Blue Jays. Uh, the Red Sox had lost the previous two games of the series. I, I don't really know why Nick Pavetta would be intentionally trying to throw at anyone in a tie game in Toronto in a big game between two, the second and third place team in that division. So that one was probably uh, – people kind of took that one over the top. But the Angels and Mariners one had some reasoning behind it. And then lastly, uh, Freddie Freeman made his return to Atlanta this week, and it was very emotional for him. And some big news came out about it yesterday that kind of makes things look a little different now. Uh, Freddie's man, uh, his uh, agent, Casey Close, uh, never even told him about the offer that was given to him from Atlanta in free agency back in March, forcing Freddie to sign with the Dodgers and for Atlanta to acquire Matt Olson from the Athletics. Man, this is so messed up, and it's even more bad now because Close is the same agent for Freeman as he is for Clayton Kershaw. So obviously the man, he was trying to force Freddie's hand to L.A. Freddie has since fired Close as his agent. And it's crazy because those close to Freddie believed he would have taken the deal back to Atlanta as long as the money was somewhat in the ballpark of what he wanted. Which is crazy to think if the agent had simply just told Freddie about this, where would every, where would Matt Olson be right now? Because obviously Freddie would just be back in Atlanta and, they, and the, um, the Braves would still have all those prospects. 
would Matt Olson be a Dodger? Yeah, that's the question you ask yourself. So that's that's super messed up, and it's a shame things had to happen that way. But I guess now that that's out, it makes Atlanta fans. It probably actually hurts for Atlanta fans more thinking, man, if Freddie just simply knew about the offer, we would have him back. But they knew that Freddie wasn't money chasing and intentionally left them. I don't know. It's probably a good and a bad thing for them to hear. So this is our baseball talk for the week. Let's head over to the National Basketball Association where free agency starts today. We will also recap the draft from last week. Um, a tr- big trade went down yesterday. DeJounte Murray is heading to the Atlanta Hawks in exchange for Danilo Gallinari and three future firsts and a pick swap. So basically the Spurs are becoming the Thunder and just gathering a ton of future picks obviously Danilo is going to get bought out from San Antonio and become a free agent today man I feel bad for Spurs fans they went from being a basketball empire to now a basketball laughing stock I mean they have simply they've lost obviously Tim Duncan in retirement you know they lost Tony Parker to Charlotte for a year Manu retired Kawhi left you know they have simply just lost everything over these past few years and losing their young superstars obviously not much better they they got three first-round picks, though, in this draft, so they better hope one of those, you know, one or two of those guys ends up being entertaining to watch. Otherwise, it is going to be a long season to be a Spurs fan. Let's talk rumors. Uh, free agency obviously starts today at 5 Central. It is currently 1 Central, so we have around four hours on the nose till it officially starts. But I think we can already say Jalen Brunson will be a New York Knick. Uh, the Knicks have cleared so much calorie salary calorie salary cap space over the past week to acquire this guy don't get me wrong Jalen Brunson is a great point guard and I saw a video yesterday that with this deal that they're planning to offer him it's a four-year around the 100 110 million dollar deal or 100 million uh yeah dollar deal mark so he'll be making around 25 ish a little more than that per year and originally I was like man like Jalen Brunson's good but is he that good like why are they mortgaging the future you look at how much all the point guards in the league get paid this contract if it's around 25 will make Brunson like the 14th highest paid point guard in the league so there are 13 guys getting paid more than him and yes he's very very good and I think seeing him as a a, a pure just him being the ball handler for this team will definitely make things interesting but it makes you think like is he really that worth it? I mean, he's a, like I said, really good player and watched Jalen Brunson since he was at Villanova. He's from, he went to Stevenson High School here in Illinois. He's an Illinois guy. Like, love his game. I think he's a great player. But I don't know if he's a $25 million player. Like, the Knicks are clearing all this cap space thinking, like, he's the next MJ. So, it'll be really interesting. Um, I don't know. First of all, I'm going to sound off on this for a minute. NBA, National Basketball Association. If this is not tampering, what is tampering at this point? The Chicago Bulls have lost two second-round picks they lost. They didn't have their pick this year, and they do not have their pick next year, I believe, over tampering for Lonzo Ball last year. I'm sorry. I knew Lonzo to the Bulls was a talked-about thing the day before free agency. We have been hearing about Brunson and the Knicks since last week during the draft. How is that not tampering, but what the Bulls did with Lonzo is tampering? If anything, the Bulls should be getting their second-round pick back next year. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. There hasn't been a whole lot of, there's been a few, you know, talks like, you know, uh, Miles Bridges maybe, but that hasn't been, John Walter, the Clippers, that's been talked about a lot, and we'll get to that in a minute. This is tampering, what is going on right now. And I, for, I don't know why the Knicks are not having to forfeit a second round pick the way the Bulls, the Bulls have lost two picks, they did not have their pick this year, and they're, they don't have their pick next year. So, riddle me that, seriously. Like, I'm super mad about this right now. Like, if the Knicks are losing a pick over this, okay, cool, fine, it's even. But they're not going to. I know they're not going to. Then give the Bulls back their second-round pick next year. I'm being totally serious right now. I'm super mad about it. And I knew this was going to be a point that I brought up today on the show. 
The Bulls should have their pick next year. How is this not tampering with Jalen Brunson? They hired his dad as an assistant coach for the team, man. If that's not tampering, tell me what is. Tell me what the Bulls did last year with Lonzo Ball that was considered more tampering than what the Knicks are doing right now with Jalen Brunson. Seriously. It's terrible, and I have no idea why. Like, it is not getting called out on. Like, I guarantee you, it is, what, 1 o'clock? In five hours, when the second free agency starts, they're going to announce a 40-year, $100, $110 million deal for Jalen Brunson and the New York Knicks. Good for him. Go get his money. Good for the Knicks. Get your point guard. Whatever. But, man, this has been talked about for over a week. They, I remember they brought it up at the draft last week. Last Thursday, a week ago. Lonzo of the Bulls was always rumored, but I never really heard a lot of smoke about it until a couple hours before the actual period opened. So in that case, the Knicks should be losing like four second-round picks for this. Absolutely ridiculous. The NBA truly needs to figure that one out because I, I don't get that for a second. James Harden opts out of his $47 million player option. Um, there's actually big news. I, I have a sports center behind me right now. We're going to pause this for a second. USC and UCLA are planning to move to the Big Ten as early as 2024. That makes no sense. I'm sorry. This is like breaking news here. We're going to break this. So, yes, they are planning to move to the Big Ten in just a couple years. Geographically, that makes absolutely zero sense. As a Big Ten fan, I'm fumed right now. That is irritating. As a Michigan State fan from both basketball and football, we already have to deal with Michigan. We have to deal with Ohio State in football. Basketball, we have to deal with Michigan. We have to deal with Wisconsin. Why? Why? Why is this happening, man? Can't we have anything? Like uh, That makes no sense. Obviously, that'll probably get... I'll probably find out more either during the show or we'll talk about it more next week, but that's just kind of breaking. That was just a headline. So that one's super confusing. But back to basketball. Uh, James Harden has opted out of his deal. I think it's just simply to get a longer deal, probably for less annual value, so the, Cl- the Sixers have some money to play with to pick up role players in free agency this year, such as P.J. Tucker. So that's news. Um, Rudy Gobert, there's a couple of the three big men are on trading block. Rudy Gobert, John Collins, DeAndre Ayton. I've seen Gobert link to Chicago and Minnesota. I don't think Rudy will be a bull, and I'm totally fine with that. Um, as much as people rip on Vooch, I, it's not necessarily I'd rather Vooch than Gobert. I'd rather not give up a ton of future draft capital or Patrick Williams for that matter. I'd rather bite the bullet and keep Vooch around than move future picks in, in a young guy who I think is going to be very good in Pat Will. Uh, like I said, John Collins, DeAndre Ayton are on the block, especially now with John Collins considering the Hawks just picked up another big contract in Murray. Uh, we've seen teams like for Ayton, it's like Indiana and Toronto are involved. I'm assuming same similar type teams are involved on John Collins, so it'll be interesting to monitor that over the course of the week. Um, Bradley Beal opted out of his $36 million player option uh, a couple days ago. Uh, obviously, going back on the Supermax to Washington is a very real possibility. But if he doesn't, I think Miami and Boston are in play. Two contenders out east. Both could very much use him. I mean, dude, just imagine that Boston lineup. They get a real ball handler alongside Beal, Tatum, and Brown. That would be pretty deadly. Also, Miami, though, they're going to lose some guys off the books, having a duo of Bradley Beal and Jimmy Butler. And maybe if they can still keep Tyler Hero around, that would look pretty nasty as well. Uh, like I mentioned, John Wall got bought out by the Rockets. Dude managed to get paid over $80 million the last two years to play absolutely no basketball pretty much, and that's pretty impressive. And it is currently um, known that he is planning to sign a one-year $7 million deal with the Clippers. However, Boston is now rumored to have say they're going to pitch a two-year $20 million deal to him. 
I still think he's going to go to the Clippers, and all of a sudden, if, if Kawhi and Paul George are fully healthy, they have those two on top of John Wall, who we know is a little old and is a little washed. But hey, man, if he can produce half of what he used to be, that is a very, very good option to have on that Clippers team. Uh, last but not least from around the league, uh, Miles Bridges, who is a big restricted free agent uh, this season, or this it's going to start in a few hours, was um, either going to go back to Charlotte or Detroit was looking to make a big offer to him. I still think they will, but he, he actually got arrested last night, which is not a good look for the former Spartan. Um, he uh, was arrested for uh, felony domestic violence, which, um, I mean, it's, it's sad as it is in the world. He's still going to get paid by one of these two teams this offseason. But the night before the big payday, Miles, man, what are we doing? It is just, it is just rough. So, um, I will say for basketball before we get to the Bulls, uh, this is a college basketball bullet that came out yesterday. It was a big deal. And actually, I'll, I'll, I got two more here, three more. I will still do NBA real quick. Russell Westbrook exercising his forty-seven million dollar option. He will return to the Lakers this year. And the people on Twitter just fascinate me. Fascinate me beyond belief. Russell, why would you opt in? Makes no sense. Like, we want to trade you. The Lakers, we want to move on. Dog, you understand Russell Westbrook is not as good as, nowhere near as good as he used to be. Like, you got to understand that. And he knows with how he's been playing, he will never get paid $47 million a season for the rest of his career. I think he'll be lucky if he makes north of $15 million a year starting next year. Why would he not? If you're, okay, put it in your, put it in your shoes. You're Russell Westbrook. You know you're not making anywhere north of $15 million per season for the rest of your career after this year. You have $47 million on the table. Why would you not take that? I'm sorry. Simply, why would you not take that? $47 million. And he knows he'll probably end up just being like what John Wall's doing right now. That'll kind of probably be how Russell Westbrook pans out for the rest of his career. He's not going to leave any money on the table. He's not doing it to get back at the Lakers. He's not doing it because he's a bad guy. He's doing it just to be financially responsible and to go get his money. You have to understand that's what the, the business these guys are in for is to go get their money. And that's what he's doing right now. Plain and simple. So that's why he took the $47 million option. He didn't take it to, oh, I'm, I'm going to screw the Lakers over. No. He wants to get paid like everyone else. And especially because he knows he is not getting near this contract ever again so yes he's going to take the money that is there for him that's just logic that's just plain and simple and if you don't understand that i don't know what to tell you another nba note jazz have hired boston celtic assistant will hardy to be their head coach young guy 34 years old after the departure of quinn snyder hoping to turn the tide in utah if he's able to keep guys like donovan mitchell and Rudy Gobert. It'll be interesting to see if that team functions any differently with a similar roster. Obviously, the league seemed to have them figured out toward the end of the regular season and in the playoffs last year. So if a fresh face like Will Hardy, a younger guy, might seem to know a little more analytics of the game, it'll be interesting to see how things may change in Utah. Lastly, college basketball. This is a big one. Imani Bates, former five-star prospect after a year in Memphis and, and then chose the transfer portal, has transferred to Eastern Michigan University over the likes of Louisville and Michigan and others. He originally committed to my Michigan State Spartans when he was in high school, decommitted, committed to play for Penny Hardaway at Memphis, did not go the way he wanted it to go. Now he's heading back home. This one's a head-scratcher, but then again, once it was in his final six, I texted one of my friends texted me, oh, Imani Bates to Eastern Michigan, why are they even in there? Like, he's obviously going to go to Louisville. And I actually, genuinely, I thought he was going to go to Louisville for the longest time, but I texted back, Eastern Michigan will be in his final three. He's from there. Why would he have Eastern Michigan on there just to have them on there? 
he has he had intention of literally considering them as a main option. Look at this man. I mean, Eastern Michigan basketball is going to be worth watching this year. Imani Bates is there. I don't know if this makes him a better player. I don't know if this propels his stock to the league. But he's no, he's not going to have any trouble any trouble playing. He's going to play. He's probably the best player. Not probably. He is the best player this school has ever had. I guarantee it. Obviously. He made a decision for him. Uh, he's betting on himself. Uh, it's going to be known that Imani Bates is at Eastern Michigan, so maybe for him it's like, hey, scouts are going to have their eye on me because I'm at a small school, and they know they're always going to be like, oh, where's Imani at? Where's Imani at? He's at Eastern Michigan. He's averaging 25 points a game. And then maybe he'll lead them to the tournament, and then he'll they'll be a, a small school 13 seed in the tournament. They're playing, I don't know, they're playing – uh, Florida in the round of 64 as a four versus 13 matchup. Just throwing that out there, you know. Oh, look at Imani Bates. He's here, former five star, committed to Michigan State, decommitted at Memphis, and now he's here. That's how he wants to get his name on the map. It's a different route, but I respect it, and we'll see what happens for the kid. So, let's talk Bulls basketball. Free agency, just a few hours away. Tony Bradley's back. He came back on his two million dollar option. For the season, uh, I mean, I guess we need someone to keep the end of the bench warm for uh, Levine when during timeouts, so uh, might as well be Tony Bradley, I guess. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Tony Bradley was my least favorite player on the Bulls last year, with all respect to him. Um, and now uh, here he is. He's uh, he's back, I guess. So, all right, Tony. Hope I, I, I'm not going to bash the players. I love – I obviously got frustrated with watching him play last year, but I genuinely want the best for him, and I want him to do what he can to help this team win. So there's that. Now, reports of free agency. Oh, who do we want? To, who do we want to get? Who do we want to get? Uh, I look the rumors. Who do we want? Well, the Bulls are basically talking to anyone that'll listen. Um, here are the free agent shooters and wings that they're going to contact. Lou Williams, Dante DiVincenzo, Ken Bazemore, Victor Oladipo, Wesley Matthews, Joe Ingles, TJ Warren, Nick Batum, Otto Porter Jr., and Kyle Anderson. What big guys are the Bulls, uh, have been reaching out to and are, um, and are going to, uh, talk to when things open up. Mitchell Robinson, Mo Bamba, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, Isaiah Hartenstein, Hassan Whiteside, Thad Young, Chris Boucher, Jalen Smith, and Bobby Portis. Now you go to me, Andy, on that list. Who do we want? Who's realistic? Who's not? Um, Mitchell Robinson's not realistic. He's going to be going back to the New York Knicks. I almost guarantee it. Victor Oladipo would be sweet, but I think we're obviously we don't have the, the funds to bring him in. If we have the funds to bring him in, but that would mean we would bring nobody else in, and we need to prioritize bigs at this point. So it's plain and simple. My four guys that I have on our list... Um, four guys that I mainly want. I want Danilo Gallinari. I think it's going to get done. There's been rumors that he is in, as the Bulls have very much reached out to him. And I think we're going to get Gallinari. I really do. I want Andre Drummond on a veteran minimum, which I don't think he's going to sign for, but a man can dream. And then the last piece, I want one of two of these guys. So I want three players. I want two bigs in Gallinari. One big is Drummond. The other big is either Mo Bamba or Isaiah Hartenstein. And I want them both on at least three year deals. Either one of them. We're not getting them both, but I want one of the two. So my dream free agency is the Bulls to get a 3 and D shooting small forward in Danilo Gallinari. He fits He fits perfectly. He fits an extreme need that we have. Andre Drummond, a glass cleaning bag on a cheap contract off the bench. And then I want Mo Bamba or Isaiah Hartenstein. One of the two would be great. Now, you, you go, oh, what other bigs, um, what other shooters do you like? What other wings? Um, uh, Otto Porter comeback would be cool. Uh, Kyle Anderson's fine. Nick Batum's great. 
other than that, I really don't have any interest in any of those uh, wing players that they talked about. Other bigs, Thad Young coming back would be cool if we couldn't get Drummond. People are saying Bobby Portis. You just realize he's going to re-up in Milwaukee for like 10 to 12 mil a season, so that's obviously off our books. And then if we can't get a Drummond, I definitely think we target a guy like a JaVale McGee or a Dwight Howard just to clean the glass off the bench. Just need a big physical body to get boards and block shots, and one of those three guys can do it. But obviously I prefer Drummond. He's more accomplished, and just overall I like his game better. So it's kind of where I'm at with the Bulls. I If you follow my blog on Blogspot, The Changeup Chronicles, I will most likely be blogging about the guys that we sign and my thoughts on them. So stay tuned to that. Look up The Changeup Chronicles on Blogspot for more. Uh, I guess we could talk about this real quick before I review the draft. The Kyrie saga is over. He's opted into his $36.4 million option or his 37, whatever it was, $36, $37 million option. Uh, so I'm assuming the Knicks are going to stay in, or the Nets are going to stay intact this season. Whatever. Cool. Fine. I, I, I didn't, it really didn't affect me in any way. And the Nets are back. So it's another team for the Bulls to watch out for this season. The draft, man, was so awesome. I, I, I loved watching the draft. I watched every single pick. If you don't believe me, just ask anyone that I was with. I was there for every single pick. So let's just dive into it. Let's review the draft, the first round, and then I'll just go over key second-round picks and uh, a two-way signing for the Bulls that I really, really like. So with the first pick in the draft, the Magic selected Paolo Bancaro out of Duke. I could not believe this. This all came down in the last 10 minutes before the pick was made. I thought it was going to be Jabari Smith. Instead, it was Paolo. And, I mean, honestly, the Magic are fine. Either any of these guys would be, would be great. Um... And they just got their guy. The Magic preferred Paolo at the last second, and they snagged him. So good for them. They got their guy. Ooh, another big man for the Bulls that's on the locks or on the looks. Uh, Blake Griffin would be cool with him as well. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, the second pick, the Thunder selected Chet Holgram out of Gonzaga. This is one one pick that I got correct. Was very happy about it. And it, he just fits what I what I got going for the what everyone's got thinking for the Thunder. You know, Giddy Alexander, they're looking long term in the future, and they did what they had to do with Chet. So pick was made, and it, it's the pick that should have been made. So with um, those two gone, the Rockets by default get Jabari Smith out of Auburn. That's a very good by default pick. Uh, everyone likes Jabari's game. I think he was the best prospect in this draft, and he the Rockets get him at three. So a great pick for them there. The fourth pick, I was wrong about this. The Kings made this selection. They did not trade out of it. They made it, and they took Keegan Murray out of Iowa. Fine pick. Um, he fits them decently, I guess. I do feel bad for Keegan. Prospects go to Sacramento to die, kind of like the Jaguars of the NFL. They got their guy, and now the Kings have they have a little something going with the Aaron Fox, Sabonis, and now Keegan Murray's in there. So good for him. Uh, got his money and, and was the fourth pick of the draft. The steal of the draft comes here with the Detroit Pistons, at least in this section. They get Jaden Ivey at five out of Purdue. Now, all of a sudden, they have a backcourt of Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. So, for anyone in the Central Division, <clears throat> the Bulls, very scared about this, man. The Pistons are going to be very good in the future and for a long time with this duo in the backcourt. With the sixth pick, nailed this one on the head, and this is also a tough one being a team in the Central Division. The Pacers select Ben Matherin out of Arizona. Good pick for them, good fit. I like Ben's game, and it's going to be really tough to play against him as a watching my Bulls play against him, but he's a very good player, and the Pacers are going to like that pick a lot. Therefore, like I mentioned, I had this back-to-back perfectly. The Blazers select Shaden Sharp out of Kentucky. Uh, they have Jeremy Grant, so I think they're really hoping Sharp and Lillard can become this duo. And if he can, man, this having a big three of Sharp, Lillard, and Grant would be very, very huge for Portland. Make this three in a row for me. With the 8th pick, the Pelicans select Dyson Daniels out of the G League Ignite. And I talked about this last week. 
He just fits it perfectly. He's like a mini Lonzo Ball. He facilitates well. He's a good ball handler. He moves in offense very, very well. And now he gets to have Zion, Brandon Ingram, and CJ McCollum. He's got a lot of guys to work the ball to, and he's a great on-ball defender. Ninth pick, the Spurs kind of shocked everyone a little with this one. I had this guy going 19 in my mock. Jeremy Sohan, saying the name right. And I also want to apologize when talking about the 2021 draft last week. I kept calling Evan Mobley, Isaiah Mobley. Isaiah Mobley was in this draft, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. It was Evan Mobley, so I messed up a couple names. Sohan to the Spurs out of Baylor. It must have been something that Popovich liked. So they reached up and got their guy, and he became a top 10 pick in this draft. Another one that I nailed on the head, the Wizards at 10 take Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin, and if Bradley Beal leaves, he'll just literally slide into his slot perfectly. OKC did some things here. They obviously have the 12th pick, but with the 11th pick, the Knicks drafted Usman Diang out of the New Zealand from the New Zealand Breakers. However, they traded it to OKC for three first-round swaps next year, so OKC basically getting rid of all the picks that they didn't really like. And so I had Dang going 12 to the Thunder, so I guess the Thunder get him anyways, but they get him at 11. Then after that, they take at 12 the Thunder, so like Jalen Williams, the guard out of Santa Clara, so he rose even higher into the lottery than I thought. So the Thunder get three picks in the top 12 with Chet, Usman Diang, and Jalen Williams, all guys they're banking on for potential. With the 13th pick, the Charlotte Hornets select Jalen Duran out of Memphis, and then was traded away to Detroit along or in a three-team deal, and the Knicks in this deal also sent Kemba Walker to Detroit, who has since been cut and will be a free agent this afternoon. So look at this for Detroit. They walk out of this draft with Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran, so they have a mini young big three with Cade Cunningham, Jalen Duran, Jaden Ivey. They also have Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart. Detroit has this young nucleus absolutely growing. Another pick I got here at 14, the Cavs select Ochai Agbaji out of Kansas. It's a wing. They don't need big hype, big men, and they really didn't need any guards, so they just kind of needed wingers, and Ochai fits that mold perfectly. At 15, the Hornets get their big guy after trading away Duran in a deal. They get Mark Williams out of Duke, which I think LaMelo Ball was a huge fan of, and if Jalen or if Miles Bridges sticks around, they'll have those two with P.J. Washington and Mark Williams. It's a solid little young lineup running for the Hornets. At 16, the Hawks get a steal here. A.J. Griffin from Duke slid all the way down, and all of a sudden they have their two guards with Murray, all-star guards with Murray and Young, and now this young wing sharpshooter in A.J. Griffin. At 17, this one really hurt as a Bulls fan have the 18th pick, but I liked our pick anyways. The Rockets select Tari Eason out of LSU, so the Rockets are doing very, very good for themselves up to this point. They have both Jalen Smith and Tari Eason, two very good picks made in the top 20. And at 18, the Bulls select Dalen Terry out of Arizona. Um, at this point, after Eason went, I didn't really have a huge preference. I would have been okay with Malachi Branham out of Ohio State. I didn't know Terry was even a possibility, but now once he got picked and once I like read into it, I was like, all right, I'm cool with this. EJ Liddell was obviously around as well, but I'm okay with Dalen Terry, 6'7", um, guy from Arizona who can guard and play positions one through three. I think he'll be a nice little role player for this squad in the coming years, and hopefully he can develop into be something much bigger. With 19, Jake LaRavia got the name right this time. We talked about him. I had him going in the in the last three picks. He rose into a top 20 pick, selected by the Timberwolves. His rights were traded to Memphis. It's a good story out of Wake Forest. At 20, the Spurs get a really good value pick here. They, they get Malachi Branham, the wing, out of Ohio State. So up to this point, they had Jeremy Sohan and Branham. They're really just trying to go young, and I think a couple players with a lot of looks like these two are going to bode well for Popovich's group. 
At 21, the Nuggets select Christian Brown, the national champion from Kansas. Love this pick as a bench guy, the sharpshooter. He's a little bit older. He's a little bit more experienced. And I think it helps for a team like the Nuggets who have playoff aspirations and hope to be make a title run here in the next few seasons. At 22, this he's, his rights were traded to Minnesota, but the Grizzlies picked for the Timberwolves and took Walker Kessler, the big seven-footer out of Auburn. Uh, great pick for Minnesota. This is basically just a lottery ticket pick, and they're maybe hoping in the long run Kessler can slide in next to Carl Anthony Towns. Next pick, the Sixers drafting but trading to Memphis. David Roddy, the small forward out of Colorado State. Memphis did very, very good in this first round, getting Laravia, Roddy, and then they got one more, I believe, coming, or no. No, second rounder they had. But very, very good pick on that front. At 24, this pick, uh, the Bucks. I was upset because I like this guy's game a lot, and it's going to be tough playing against him as a Bulls fan. The Bucks draft Marjon Bochamp from the G League Ignite, a very good pick for them, another guy who could develop in a real nice role player for a team looking to contend for another championship immediately. The Spurs round out their three picks in the first round by taking Blake Wesley out of Notre Dame, the freshman at 25. Wesley kind of slid a little for his value, so once again, I think this is a pretty good value pick for the Spurs, especially a team picking on potential. So they get Wesley. The Spurs round out their first round with Jeremy Sohan at 9 from Baylor, Malachi Branham at 20 from Ohio State, and Blake Wesley at 25 from Notre Dame. I think they got a lot of good. They got a couple. They got a, a wing a guy who could play 2-3, and then a guy who could play 3 or 4. Good good draft for the Spurs. I mean, they traded DeJounte, which is tough, but I think they could really try to make something out of these three guys. I think there's a good chance two out of these three guys become very, very good NBA players. At 26, these rights were traded to Minnesota, but the Mavericks selected Wendell Moore Jr. out of Duke, an underrated guy for this Duke team. Amongst all the young freshmen, this uh, junior was seen as one of the veterans, quote-unquote, and just has very good leadership qualities and is a very solid wing as well. And I think the Timberwolves will like him off their bench. Miami Heat at 27. This pick might end up making a lot of teams in the league look stupid. They draft Nikola Jovic from Mega Mozart. Man, I like this guy's game a lot. I talked about him. Where did I have him going in the first round? Jovic. I think I had him. I don't remember, but I had him going in the first round. Miami getting him, you know, they're they're probably losing Victor Oladipo and P.J. Tucker. He slides in perfectly, and I think he has potential to be an actual starter in this league. At 28, the Warriors draft Patrick Baldwin Jr. out of the University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's a good pick for them. I understand this for the Warriors. They're picking on potential. They're trying to see. They're picking on upside, and Patrick Baldwin has that, and I think if there's a situation for Baldwin to go to, this was a good spot in Golden State. Houston ends their first round here. The Grizzlies pick, but it ended up in Houston's hands. Ty Ty Washington Jr. out of Kentucky, a very good point guard, a very good ball handler, amazing value for Houston. They round out their first round with Tari Eason at 17, Ty Ty here at 29. They obviously got Jabari Smith at 3. Put those three guys up with Jalen Green. Houston's got a young nucleus grooming there. And lastly, Denver gets another first rounder here at 30 by drafting Peyton Watson out of LS or out of UCLA. So a lot of good picks made here in this first round. This is a very good first round, a very good draft that I have a lot of hopes for, and I think they will end up. A lot of guys will end up turning out pretty well. Some second round shoutouts: uh, the Pacers at their first pick in the second round took Andrew Nemhard out of Gonzaga. It's a good pick, I like him a lot. Uh, Caleb Houston, the sharpshooter from Michigan, went second in this round to Orlando. Arizona big man Christian Coloco is a Raptor. I think that's a very good upside pick as well. 
Pretty funny here at 34, the Thunder took Jalen Williams out of Arkansas, obviously you don't remember, just a few minutes ago. And with the 12th pick, they took the guard out of Santa Clara named Jalen Williams. So the Thunder somehow drafted two guys with the same name, just different spellings. Uh, Santa Clara is Jalen Williams is J-A-L-E-N. And the uh, Arkansas's Jalen Williams is J-A-Y-L-I-N. Uh, shout out to uh, Sparty Go Green. The Lakers took Max Christie with pick 35. I'm hoping that's a good spot for him and he can develop. I honestly could see him playing in the G League for a little bit this year as maybe they send him down there and work on things a little before he becomes a role player. I just hope Max doesn't get overwhelmed with being on a team practically coached by LeBron James because you know how controlling that guy can be at times. Um, Other picks here, Jaden Hardy at 37 to the Mavericks. That's a great pick for Dallas Um, in terms of second round. I think I had a first-round grade on Jaden Hardy. Other guys that had a first-round grade on are in here as well, but that's a very good pick for Dallas, a lot of upside there. Kennedy Chandler, I may have had him. I think I had him in the first round as well. His rights are going to – that was the other Memphis pick. So they have Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, and then a guy who I had a first-round grade on, the, the uh, freshman point guard from Tennessee, Kennedy Chandler. Another Big Ten guy going to Charlotte, who I was very impressed with his game last year as a freshman, Bryce McGowans from Nebraska, was very, very big on uh, his game as well. Good player, and I think Charlotte's getting a, 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 a real good talent in, in Bryce. Then a couple more picks here, uh, rounding it out. Uh, EJ Liddell fell all the way to 41 to the Pelicans, which I found kind of nuts. I had a first-round guy on EJ. There were some people that had him going up to 18 to the Bulls, yet he fell out of the first round completely. Good value there for the Pelicans. Uh, the Knicks, they obviously traded away their first-round selection of uh, Usman Diang to the uh, Thunder for three future firsts. They did make a pick in this draft in the second round, and, man, did they make a count. Trevor Keels out of Duke, another underrated Duke player, overshadowed by the likes of Paolo and others. Uh, Paolo, Mark Williams, A.J. Griffin. I like Keels' game a lot. He's one of the youngest players in this draft, and I think if the Knicks can groom him right, he can end up being a really solid role player in this league. Um, and then one last pick I want to shout out is um, – uh, Isaiah Mobley, I kept calling Evan, the now going to be a second-year big man for um, Cleveland. His younger brother is Isaiah, and the Cavs actually took Isaiah. I knew something last week's show that nobody else knew. 49th overall, the Cavs took Isaiah Mobley, so now the Mobley brothers are back together again in Cleveland. And that's a pretty good uh, story as well. You gotta, you gotta love that. So that went well in the draft for them. Uh, Cleveland did have a good draft. I like them taking Ochai. And obviously, Isaiah Mobley in the second round is a solid selection. Uh, as you can tell, if you folks listened to my draft last week, the mock didn't go too well, man. Did not. That was a tough one. I, I was trying to outsmart myself with all the trades, and uh, yeah, none of that, none of that came to fruition. So, fun basketball talk, and we'll talk next week about all the free agent signings and trades in next week's show. We'll end on some hockey here. The Colorado Avalanche are Stanley Cup champions. Um, Congrats to them. It was a fun series to watch. Happy they were able to to finish it off. Uh, the cup was dented during the celebration, which was kind of funny. Hopefully that'll get all fixed up. But I can't say I've ever seen that happen before. Uh, man, if you look at the, the lightning injury report after the series, absolutely crazy. Uh, forwards Anthony Sorelli, Nick Paul, and Corey Perry, they all sustained, uh, sustained shoulder and AC joint sprains against the Rangers. Sorelli also dislocated his other shoulder. Paul suffered an MCL sprain. Nikita Kucherov suffered an MCL sprain. Uh, John Cooper was talking after the game, after the series ended, and he said, "If this was the regular season, we would have had half of our AHL roster on the on the ice for this game." So that just shows you how crazy the finals are, and how tough hockey players are, and how they're willing to, you know, go through anything. 
just to win that uh, that big piece of metal. Uh, we even saw uh, Valerie Natushkin. Uh, I think it was like a fractured foot or something, and he was still skating. I actually learned something interesting uh, this past week is that you would think guys with injured foots, you know, oh, how are they able to skate and move? The skate is just the same as like their walking boot. They're obviously not stepping when they're skating. They're gliding on it. So it's almost an okay, they can play on a broken foot, which is, I mean, it's probably painful. As long as they can get the skate on their foot, they can play, which is just absolutely crazy to me. But nonetheless, congrats to the Avalanche on winning the Stanley Cup championship. Kale McCarr is your Conn Smythe Trophy winner. That dude is insane. He's only 22 years old, and I think he can actually win the league. He can win the Hart Trophy. I really do believe so as a defenseman, which hasn't been done since Chris Pronger. Um, yeah. I mean, just absolute insanity for, for the Avalanche. So happy for that city. Denver's a cool city to cheer for to win a championship as long as they're not, you're not the team that they beat. And it's just a cool story. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog win their, win their first cup. Uh, Jack Johnson, the longtime defenseman, you know, was able to get his championship, so that's super cool. And, yeah, uh, Kale McCarr has crossed off a lot of things. He's won the Hobie Baker. He's won the Calder. Uh which I believe is, I could totally be wrong on that. Kale McCarr. Obviously, he won the, um, won the, uh, Ka, or the, won the Norris this year. And then he wins the, wins the called Smythe, Con Smythe. Yeah, he, that is called the Calder. I, for some reason, I know the AHL Championship is called the Calder Cup as well. Just wanted to make sure I got that right. But yes, he's won the Hobie Baker, best college player, won the Calder. Won the Norris, won the Conn Smythe, and I was a Stanley Cup all at the age of 22. The future is obviously insanely bright for Kale McCarr. Some people knock him a little for being more of an offensive defenseman. I still think he is an insane, obviously, player and could be one of the best defensemen to ever play hockey if he keeps this trend rolling. Uh, last bullet here, Blackhawks have hired Luke Richardson as their next head coach, and from everyone that I've talked to, it's a good hire, and I'm looking forward to see what he can do to try and turn the ship here as the Hawks go through a daunting rebuild starting this season. That'll be all for today's show. Thank you all for listening. This was a fun one. We talked all-star game ballot. We talked um, the brawl for the Mariners Angels, Freddie Freeman's agent fallout. Uh, we talked free agency for basketball, the Jante Murray trade, all the rumors going around the league, Bulls rumors. We reviewed the draft, and we talked a few minutes worth of hockey it's a great show. Hope you all have a great holiday weekend. Be safe. A lot of sports to watch. Keep your eye on NBA free agency. There's a lot of baseball this weekend. Thank you all for tuning in, giving the show a listen, giving me some of your time, and I really appreciate it. And I will see you all next week. Peace.